0: Good morning, Al
1: Hey, there you are, Al It's Lisa Kay.
0: Hi, Lisa. How are you today? I'm
1: doing well. How are you doing?
0: I am. It's What a beautiful day. I, just, I was sitting here thinking, when does a Christmas tree go from still up to uh, already up? You, just, <laughs> you get to this point, do you just leave it up and everybody will think, you're, boy, you're really on top of things, getting ahead of the game?
1: But. Do you still have your Christmas tree up?
0: I don't know, oh. <laughs> but I do know of somebody that does, so I, I won't mention any names, of uh, course. But
1: I know so. people that have that up year-round, actually, and they just change the colors of the lights.
0: Maybe that's what's going on here, because it just, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say it seems odd, because, man, I, I'm as odd as anybody, but it just, I don't know. I don't say anything, <laughs> you know, because, well... It, you know, friends and family. You don't say things. About them <laughs> Just that's let them the way do. They are.
1: Yeah, let them do their thing, right?
0: Yeah, we need to be looking for red-winged blackbirds and robins and bluebirds and killdeer and wood ducks and great blue herons <laughs> and grackles instead of Christmas trees. <laughs> Those will be coming. And somebody got a hold of me. They saw a killdeer. It was near Glenville, Minnesota, so long, not far from the Iowa border. But uh, so they'll be coming, and it always, you know, robins. They're not really uh not really a harbinger of spring so much because we get a lot of them that overwinter. Uh, when the migrating ones come in, it certainly is. But I always look for. I grew up sort of between the woods and a big marsh. It was called Mule Lake. And for me, it was red-winged blackbirds came back in the big flocks and then killdeer. Those Hmm. were kind of the things that meant spring was on its way. And then my mom would always say when the robins came anyway, they needed three snows on their tail before it was truly spring.
1: Oh, three snows on their tail.
0: Three snows. And they got them pretty much every year. Right.
1: Uh, You mentioned killdeers. Are those the ones that will nest like out in the fields and things like that?
0: yeah they put their eggs Uh, i took a bunch of pictures of one i i took it from a bus window because i didn't seem to bother it then i didn't want to get out and take pictures of it and scare it off its nest and make it go into that broken wing routine i didn't want to put it through all that work so i took it from a a window of a bus, and I, I could hold it out there and lean out, and it wasn't paying any attention to me. But its eggs were laid in amongst a bunch of small rocks and pebbles, so that the eggs blended right into that. You couldn't you couldn't see them. I don't. It'd been hard to find those eggs without a bird on the nest. And when I was a boy, I'd be out cultivating corn, and I would. Uh, raise the implement up whenever i saw where a killdeer nest might be because i didn't want to and my dad would uh, be able to tell because there'd be a a bunch of weeds growing wherever i didn't cultivate because (laughs) of the killdeer nest but he thought that was fine oh i should mention everybody there's something called life l-i-f-e While we're all living it i know that but it's called learning is forever, mm-hmm. and it's going to be at the St. Peter Library on March 13th at 2 p.m.
1: And, oh. Uh,
0: I'll be yapping there, so you're all invited.
1: March 13th, 2 p.m., St. Peter Library.
0: Yeah. so We're going to write in, that down. In the neighborhood, just pop in. and If nothing else, just come in and say hi or wave or yeah. blow me a kiss, whatever you <laughs> want to do there. I'd be, I'd be happy to see you.
1: You just said broken wing, the broken wing routine, and now that is when, if you're approaching the nest, where, where the the bird will act like it's hurt to detract yeah, you from the nest or what?
0: Yeah, because to us or to them, we are predators. So we're big predators coming out there, and we mean to do them harm and steal their eggs or eat their babies. So mom will say. She Oh, she has a broken wing. Why would you want to eat those eggs or get my babies when you got a nice plump bird here that would oh. fill you up, come and get me? And then she's able just to flutter enough to stay out of being caught. And I'm sure a lot of little boys thought, "Oh that poor little bird is hurt or little girls and they would go chasing after it and and they would uh, use that and they're not the only one uh, they're the most noted bird for doing that broken wing routine, but there's a lot of uh, other birds that will do that too mm-hmm. in order to draw predators away from from their beloved babies.
1: Well, that makes sense. what a good parent
0: they are wonderful parents and they are our. They're a shorebird, really, but we see them out in the prairies and farm fields and driveways and those kind of things. I was uh, going to the post office in Hope, Minnesota, because I live just beyond Hope, and there was, uh, here were baby killdeer, and they look like some sort of wonderful, sweet Star Wars character. They're a little ball of fluff on top of these long legs and they were out there running around in front of the
1: post office.
0: So <laughs> I was almost late. The post office almost closed before I got in there because I was looking at these little birds.
1: Oh, that sounds cute. I, I've seen um, pictures of little birds like that, those just little fluff balls with legs, and I don't know what kind they are, but it's...
0: Yeah, birds seem to be just uh, the most beautiful things when they're a baby or they are uh, like a troll doll. Yeah, As babies, or maybe a one of those bottle cleaner brushes. <laughs> so they they alternate between those two, just being the cutest thing on earth. Till people will look at a photo of them and say, "Oh my goodness, what is that?"
1: <laughs> so Al, with the with the weird weather that we've been having you now, you know, early spring, I don't know whatever this is, but with very little snow. Uh, what happens with those animals that? change color when like to camouflage with the snow did they change color this year if we don't have as much snow does that happen
0: sure that's a great question i think we must be in sprinter now is that kind of a cross between spring and (laughs) winter i think yeah and the the animals that we have that do that are weasels so the weasels that we see in the summertime they this beautiful white color and not so much around here, but not too far from here, then snowshoe hares become white. And the change in color is triggered by the length of daylight, not by the temperature. So they don't just, their bodies don't determine one day, boy, it's cold, I'm going to turn white. And because it's the length of daylight, that means that these little weasels, they face special risks during any winter of little snow. Mm. Because they can't help but turn white, even when the earth remains brown, which makes them easy targets for predators. And I shouldn't say easy, because weasels are just—they're—they're they're small, but they're oh, they'd be a a, a tough foe to tackle because they are fierce little animals. And they—they're they're cute, but they're—they're uh, just—they're—they are an apex predator, but they're. They're not really because they're so small, but they think they're an apex predator. (laughs) But they they do turn white, and it's the same with the snowshoe hares because they have no say in it. Otherwise, I'm sure they're out there saying, uh, I'm going to snap my paws together and I will turn brown again because this makes no sense being white now.
1: Right, and then they'll start to turn back to their other color as the days get...
0: Yes, and it goes by day length again, so they will turn colors. I will say this, they are breathtaking when they're white. Both those animals are just, they're so beautiful.
1: Well, somebody saw birds in an airport terminal. Like, Are they meaning inside, and how do do they get inside, how do they get out?
0: Yeah, and uh, they fly for Delta, (laughs) so you'll (laughs) see a lot of them in there. I was... I was in an airport here the other day, and I was doing what I could to prepare myself for my job of keeping the airplane in which I was a passenger from falling out of the sky. Because mm-hmm. that's what we do. We just think, oh, oh i got to get, get a good seat. Because this was one of those cattle call things where you just uh here in this group something, and you all run in there and just grab the nearest seat you can. And I was going through all that when birds in an airport brighten my day and i wonder how did the house sparrows i saw get into denver international airport and where are they going well if we think about there's so many doors through the terminals and the jet bridges and all these things so when one door closes another opens and in come the house sparrows Mm. and there's other birds that get in there but uh, if you go to your local home improvement store you will find house sparrows in there. They get in there. Uh, Starlings will get in there also. I was uh, working down in Texas, and they have these H-E-B stores, uh, huge grocery stores, and they have found that swallows will come up, and they have that magic little eye that you stand in front of, and the door opens, and swallows have learned if they flap their wings there, the doors will open. And house sparrows have probably learned that too. Although swallows are meant to be flapping and hovering in one place, and the doors would open, so when you walk in, you walk in with some uh, barn swallows that hmm. will try to nest in that store. So uh, birds are—they uh, are bird brains, but that's probably a compliment when somebody calls <laughs> me a bird brain.
1: So you think they found a place to live and what yeah, will they you eat? know, and
0: yeah. Why would you come in there if they're a house sparrow? Well, you get out of the weather. Which is nice. That's why we go indoors. And you will find food because if you walk around, the airports are so good; they clean up stuff awful quickly. But there's still crumbs and things. You know, we're we're just sloppy eaters, and especially when we're in a hurry, because we get this biscuit of some kind and we're a roll, and we're just woofing it down because we know our plane's going to be early, and we want to be. We want to stand in line for uh, at least. 45 minutes. I don't know why people want to get in line so fast, but we seem to. So there's going to be things spilled all over, and the house sparrows are going to come in and say, thank you very much, and this little feathered mini vacuum cleaners are going to hoover it all up.
1: <laughs> well, at least they're helping, uh, you know, pay their rent, I guess.
0: They are. They're helping those people. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I see those folks going around to clean up stuff and Sometimes they have to hunt pretty hard to find one little wrapper, and they go over and pick it up and throw it in that barrel, and away (laughs) they go. They're hard workers.
1: So I'm watching these. um, I've got a couple of different eagle cams that I watch, and, and one of them has the pair of eagles that have just, I think last week, laid three eggs. And I was showing this to the folks at home, and I got the question, like, well, which one's the male and which one's the female? And I had no idea other than when they... They told us on, on part of the caption, sure. you know, he brings a fish back to her or whatever. Uh, okay. I, how do you tell? How do, is there a way to tell?
0: It's oh. really difficult, but it's on those cams and things they are one of the, the times that you probably can tell. Because when you see them together, close together, the primary difference between males and females is size. And I've held both of them on my arms during shows and things. Uh, This is true about most raptors, too, males and females of size. And females can be 25 to 33% larger than the males.
1: Oh, they're bigger. Okay. They
0: are considerably. And when you hold one on your arm, you know, it doesn't seem they're not that heavy, 11 pounds or something. Mm -hmm. But after you hold one for quite a while... You notice the difference between the female and the male. It just uh, there's a lot more weight. Your arm grows tired much quicker with a female, and that's not saying she's bad company or anything. She's just a <laughs> bigger bird, and uh, I think in most cases she, uh, oh, she kind of rules the roost in a lot of ways, and that's just because she's bigger. She's a bigger bird.
1: And so when we're looking at like bald eagles, you said that uh, like a female would weigh about 11 pounds. Is that a pretty average?
0: Yeah, it probably is. The males would be a little. It it varies on where you're seeing them too. Like if you go to Florida, they probably weigh a little less than they do up here, and in Alaska, maybe even slightly more than they do here. Uh, there's something called the Bergman's rule that says the farther north you get, the bigger things are.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to keep watching and see if these three eggs will hatch or not, but I know they got some snow. I don't even know where the cam was, at. I'm, I'm it's Big Sky. It must be Montana somewhere. Um, but Yeah,
0: there's a lot of them. You know, Decorah has, and DNR has one, and even uh, Albert Lee, Minnesota at St. John's Community oh. has a cam.
1: Wow. I love love watching those and just seeing what's going on. Aren't
0: they neat? Yeah, just get right into the nest. It's a soap opera slash (laughs) comedy. Because sometimes he'll bring stuff in, like food, and she gives him that look like, is that the best you could do? (laughs) You know I don't (laughs) like that kind of thing. What are you thinking? And and it's fun when they're building the nest because he brings in a stick and throws it down and says, boy, it looks good right here. And she picks it up and moves it over here and <laughs> says, no, don't put it back there. This is where it has to be. You don't know much about this, do you? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's fun. I enjoy watching them, too. And uh, they're uh, they're amazing birds, how they do... What they do, and them and great horned owls nest even earlier. But you know, most years it's pretty nasty being in that nest.
1: Why would they build a second nest? Somebody wants to know why would a bald eagle pair build a second nest?
0: Yeah, and I, I should add one thing: they they're larger when they get further north because that they have a lower surface area to volume ratio than smaller birds and radiate less body heat per unit of mass, and therefore they can stay warmer in, oh. in cold climates. That's why That's why any Minnesotan can say, well, yeah, I, I weigh like 5 <laughs> to 10 pounds more on average than somebody. From I'm going to use that. I'm going to yeah, use I, that. I need to stay warm. Uh, yeah, they build a second nest. The eagle pairs often build an what they would call an alternate nest, and it's usually within a mile of the first nest and within the pair's territory, so the territory where they hunt. And the pair may take turns nesting between the two from year to year. A pair generally returns to the same nest annually or the same nest area, and this is called nest site fidelity. Hmm. Uh, alternate nest serves... Boy, they can't buy insurance. So this would serve as insurance in case the primary nest maybe is destroyed early in the nesting season. And because of this, a nest could go unused for several years, often because of the... You know, sometimes if you got a pair and they have a nest and one of them dies, the new mate might say that we need to build a new nest together this is part of the pair bonding so they'll build a another nest so that original nest could go unused for a number of years and then be either reoccupied by the original pair or one member with a new mate hmm. and a pair may abandon the nest for unknown reasons and just build another or it may continue adding to and renovating a single nest. I think those should be called (laughs) nest-orations. But I'm probably the only one that thinks that. (laughs) And that includes, uh, nest-orations includes repairs and, again, that pair bonding. And eagles take advantage of available resources. So they like large stands of trees. The nesting habitat must provide an abundant food source. If a nest blows down, again, they'll build another nest nearby. And why would a nest fail? Well, it could be food shortage and climate weather, human disturbance, predators. What would be a predator to a bald eagle? What would be so stupid as to bother them? Well, raccoons and great horned owls bother them. Uh Uh, Raccoons are trying to get food out of there, and great horned owls want the nest. And then environmental contaminants would be the other one. But it's pretty common for there to be a second nest. And I always think of it as they have a cabin oh, sure. that they can go to.
1: They sound a lot like us. They are like us, yes. Huh. Well, Al Bat is our guest today here on Talk of the Town. Al, how do you tell if it's a male or a female blue jay that's doing the calling? Somebody wants to know.
0: Yeah, and they're they're the same size, so... I check my caller ID, and <laughs> sometimes it tells. And you know, we have Merlin on the phones that we can tell that Blue Jay's calling, but it does not say that's a male Blue Jay or a female. And Blue Jays, they're talkative. They use a number of calls to communicate with one another. Males are more aggressive, and females are more expressive in their calls. So I think the females are a little more they're a little more creative in their calls but males and females use the same calls primarily there are slight variances i was out working in the garden one day there was a blue jay nest far from not far from me and i heard a peep call and i had to do a bunch of research on it there is a peep call that the females use during an egg laying period a little peeping, like not not all that unlike a baby chick, but boy, other than that, it's I can't tell the difference between them. They hmm. they make the same sounds. Again, the male is more aggressive, so he's probably making more sounds generally than she is.
1: Also, sounds a lot like us. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> How about turkey vultures? I've mistaken a turkey vulture for some sort of an eagle before. And uh, <laughs> do they make sounds? Yeah, and that's
0: easy to do. Uh, I've um, led a lot of walks and people, of course, we want to see eagles. So people are pointing and say, is that an eagle? And it's it's a turkey vulture. And you can tell because they have a, a rocky flight. The bald eagle has its wings out like planks, straight out. And it's a pretty smooth flight. Like it, it's running over a nice smooth road where the turkey vultures, like it's on the the worst road of the spring with all these potholes in it, it just bumps along, Mm -hmm. and then their flight is in a dihedral, which is sort of a semi-V. And do turkey vultures, I love turkey vultures, so my wife would say, don't get him started. (laughs) Uh, Turkey vultures do make sounds. They say, are you going to eat that dead possum? Because they're always on the road trying to eat something. But truly... They produce a low guttural hiss. I've hauled a number of turkey vultures up to, they're not really a raptor, but when you find an injured turkey vulture, it goes to the raptor center at the University of Minnesota. And they make this hiss when they're irritated or frightened, and they also make it when they're vying for a spot on a carcass. And I've heard that they make a low nasal whine sometimes while in flight. And I have to be honest, I don't know that I've heard that. And if I've heard it, I just didn't think it was a, a turkey vulture, probably. But so much of their flight is up so high, probably outside of our hearing.
1: Huh, okay. I'll have to well I'll listen harder. I hope I don't actually. <laughs> that sounds like it might be scary sounding.
0: They're, uh, I've, like I said, I've hauled them up and I've looked at baby ones and they're pretty mellow. They're mellow fellows. They're just uh, pretty easy to get along with.
1: All right. So now this, I've wondered this question before. I'm glad somebody asked it uh, about swallows facing all the same direction. When, When they're perched on utility wires, birds tend to face all in the same direction?
0: Yeah, I've taken a lot of pictures, and it's pretty much always true, and yeah, it it looks neat that they're all on there, and why are they doing that? Why do you want to all face the same direction? Because swallows aren't so much, the starlings might do it so the neighbor doesn't reach over and hammer them on the head, but (laughs) swallows aren't so much, they're, they're friendly, they get along. So I think what they're doing up there, Lisa, is they're sharing cute cat videos on their phones (laughs) with one another. So they're, uh, sorry about that. There's two reasons. When birds flock, they generally fly off in the same direction. So it makes sense that they face the same way before taking off from those wires. You don't want to be going every which direction. So you all take off the same way because you're a member of this important flock. And birds are built to face into the wind. so if you look at them, you know that's the way aerodynamic is their bill into the wind. It's easier to take off and land while facing into the wind, And facing into the wind reduces wind resistance and limits ruffled feathers. So if you're turned the other way, it makes you rock on those wires. And we will see a hawks sometimes on wires, red tail hawks, and sometimes they're facing the wrong way, and boy, they're just, it's a whole balancing act. So, uh, and again, it just makes it easier to watch the cat videos. <laughs> Everybody I, loves cat videos, right, even, right. even swallows. Yeah,
1: it all makes sense now, yeah. Uh, how about this? Uh, question about pigeons. Every time we talk about pigeons, I always take myself back to my childhood and remember Bert and Ernie, because Bert loved pigeons, Oh, sure. he loved pigeons. Why do pigeons bob their head? There was even a, a cartoon, or not a cartoon, but a, a skit on Sesame Street where Bert was dancing, doing a pigeon dance, bobbing his uh, head back and forth. I remember that.
0: My son Brian, when he was a little guy, called him Ert and Bernie. For Ert and
1: Bernie. <laughs> yeah, he
0: couldn't quite get them to the right ones. Um, yeah, pigeons do that bob their heads when they walk and uh, chickens do that cranes magpies quail some headphone wearers we've all seen them maybe Mm -hmm. walking in the mall or something they got the head going back and forth so we do it too studies suggest that birds in motion bob their heads to stabilize their visual surroundings So we rely more on our eye movements. Our eyes, we can move, we can see off to the side, up a little bit, and down a lot, and we can move our eyes around. We don't move our heads so much that way. And we move our eyes to catch and hold images while we're in motion. A pigeon can't move its eyes around like that. So it tries to keep its head as stationary as possible. So if you watch them, the head occupies one position and then the body catches up to it so the head's going out and then it's walking up to the the body's walking up to it and then it does the same thing over and over again so it's it's pretty neat. I like pigeons too. They're just uh, I used to raise pigeons, and they were uh, they were good company, and they were uh, very faithful, mated for life, and they were beautiful birds.
1: I have a friend that lives just maybe three blocks from me, and all the pigeons are in his neighborhood, and I have no pigeons in my neighborhood, but we're very close together.
0: That's... You know why that is? He's a pigeon whisperer.
1: Uh, <laughs> that must be. Yep, I'm the crow whisperer then, because they all <laughs> you live. are the crow whisperer. Yeah. They all like my house, then. <laughs> uh, one last question for you today, Al, they want to know, why are tree trunks round and not square or rectangular?
0: <laughs> yeah, and again, it's all about marketing, you know. Fewer sharp corners <laughs> make trees easier to hug, where I'm a tree hugger, so I, I don't want those sharp corners. A round or tubular shape resists the force of winds better than the flat surface of a square or, or rectangle. So a round shape supports the branches. A rounded trunk bends more easily than a flat-sided trunk. Um, We can look at utility poles and light posts. They're round for the same reason. And when I was a kid, there was a round barn in the neighborhood, and we thought it was so cool. We'd go over there and play tag and things. (laughs) And it was advertised as more efficient, inexpensive, and structurally sound with a greater volume to surface ratio and thus it used fewer materials Uh, structural supports inside the barn weren't needed that left more open space with without posts for more storage but The round barns were challenging to build, maintain, light, and ventilate. It was hard. My grandma always said it was hard for the devil to hide in a round barn. But claims of efficiency were overstated. But round barns were made from round trees. So maybe there was a natural (laughs) thing there. But, yeah, it's just meant to have round trunks because the wind behaves much better around something round.
1: Well, I'd rather have the wind blow around it than blow into it and knock it over on me. So That's right, right. yeah. Al, do you have any words of wisdom for us as we head off this summer? Uh, oh, this I hope
0: you you know, this winter has meant something. I think everybody will say, every year is strange. I keep a, I call it a daily log, but it's like a journal. And every day I write in there, uh, sometime during the year, what strange weather we're having. And I think the perfect name for a snowman this winter is Melton John. Sorry.
1: <laughs> There's yeah. your dad joke for the day. Yes. Yep.
0: Yes. Dad <laughs> jokes. Is there anything better than dad jokes? I guess yes. Not. Yes. Yes. No. There's a lot of things.
1: Well, we're going to remind people that you are speaking March thirteenth, two p.m. at the Saint Peter Library. And uh, do people need to register for that, or they just show I up? I don't
0: believe they do, and it's put on by the city of Saint Peter, and uh, it's I I couldn't be in a, a better place. I, I love libraries, dearly love
1: libraries. Well, we will look forward to seeing you there and hearing about what you have to say March 13th, 2 p.m., St. Peter Library. It's Al Bat joining us today on Talk of the Town. Thank you so much, Al.
2: Thanks, Lisa.